You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Cardinals for Tuesday, December the 7th of 2021. I am Lucas Smith, host of the show at LJ Fastball on Twitter. You can see it right there if you're watching on YouTube. And whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcasting platform, thank you for joining me today. As the lockout continues, no real big news on the lockout, so we're going to not talk about the lockout today. Yesterday's episode was almost fully entirely devoted to talking about the lockout, talking about some comments made by Rob Manfred last week. So if you missed that episode, want to hear my thoughts, or want to hear the comments Rob Manfred did make, you can head back over to yesterday's episode, whether it be on your favorite podcasting platform or on the YouTube channel. But today we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. We're going to talk about three current Cardinals that I believe could be if not already are, on the track to Cooperstown. Because Cooperstown being the home of the Hall of Fame, it's a pretty um, pretty, pretty <laughs> exclusive place to be in the Hall of Fame. And I think that there are three Cardinals for sure, um, or at least three Cardinals that we're going to discuss today that are on the Cooperstown track. We'll also be talking about the six members that have already been inducted to the Hall of Fame as part of the 2022 class. And again, a couple with Cardinal ties. So we'll be talking about that on today's episode of Locked on Cardinals. So hope you are ready for a good one. When you think about people that are on the track for, for Cooperstown, you have to think about who has been dominating and who, who is going to dominate, especially if you think of if they're in the middle of their career. That is something to think about. So the the, the first one I'm going to talk about is the, I think all three are interesting because all three have caveats to them, in my opinion. The first one I'm going to talk about, I think, is probably one of the more surefire ones, and that is Paul Goldschmidt. Through 2021, he's got a career batting mark of 293, career on base of 389, a 521 slugging percentage for his career, 911 OPS, that's on base plus slugging, and a 142 career OPS plus. He has 280 career home run, so one would expect him to get at least 300 in 2022. He has driven in 927 runs, so one would also expect him to get to 1,000 RBI. By the end of the year, he's also stolen 140 bags, which is pretty solid for the average first baseman. When you look at his resume, he's been an all-star from 2013 all the way to 2018. He's been second in the MVP voting, not once, but twice. Multiple gold gloves, including this most recent year. And he was sixth in the MVP voting this most recent year as well. So even when he's not winning, not getting second, he's still getting close. And one could argue that in 2013, when he led the league in home runs, runs driven in, slugging, OPS, OPS plus, and total bases, that he could have won the MVP that year. Uh, All in all, it was Andrew McCutcheon that ended up winning the MVP in 2013, but still a very good season for Paul Goldschmidt. But even in his tenure as a Cardinal in three seasons, two two full seasons, one COVID-shortened, he still has a very respectable 71 home runs across 377 games, a batting average of 280, slugging 491, so a little bit below his career average, so you can start to see his numbers start to dip down just a little bit. And I will acknowledge that Paul Goldschmidt of 2021 and or 2019, 2021 has not necessarily been the Paul Goldschmidt that we saw um, up until that point from 2011 to 2018. Those are pretty dominant years, somewhat hard to repeat. But I, I also will argue that he is still producing. 
Paul Goldschmidt is still producing at an incredible level. And I don't think that if, if Paul Goldschmidt retired today, he's a Hall of Famer. For example, I think if Mike Trout retired today, he's a Hall of Famer. If Paul Goldschmidt retired today, I, I don't necessarily think he gets in right away. Maybe because you take into account that he you know, only played 11 years. But, but if you look at his a 10-season stretch from 2012 to 2021... From Arizona to St. Louis, those are pretty solid numbers. 272 home runs across that span. Drove a 901. OPS plus of 142. Slugging a 523. You know, those are 10 of his 11 years. The one I took out was 2011, his first year. A run of incredible dominance. Um, Was it necessarily dominant, you know, like Albert Pujols per se? No. Because at the same token, I think if Albert Pujols retired the day after he signed a contract was, or the the day after the 2011 season, so the day after his 10-year mark was up, then I think he would have been a Hall of Famer then. Paul Goldschmidt, I think, is on that track. I think it's reasonable, you know, to expect him to hit 25 to 30 home runs again this year. Um, And if he hits 20 home runs, he'll get to that 300 mark. And he's under contract um, for another five years, so you expect him to hit anywhere from maybe 20 to 25 as he gets a little bit older in age. But maybe the DH role is able to help him because maybe he's able to get off his feet a little bit defensively and save him a little bit, give him a couple extra energy boosts and give him a little more power later in his career. Who knows? But he just has such a smooth, powerful, compact swing straight to the ball that that is just proven to get results. He has hit outside of Arizona, which has been somewhat of a favorable favorable place to hit maybe not as favorable as the next guy I'll talk about that I think is on the Hall of Fame track but Paul Goldschmidt 31 home runs this most recent year 99 runs driven in 177 hits he's got 1,572 hits so one could also say that he's on track for 2,000 which I think 2,000 might become the next 3,000 what I mean by that is 3,000 used to be the number a player had to get to be in a Hall of Fame uh, or if you got that number, you were in the Hall of Fame regardless. I think that w- with the way that the, the average is dipping and the amount of hits are dropping, that may- maybe 2,500 could be that elusive number that if you get 2,500, you're automatically in. Uh, but one could see easily Paul Goldschmidt playing another five or six years, easily getting 2,000 if he's able to stay healthy. And I just think when you look at his production from a first baseman standpoint, the slugging percentage, the OPS plus, the total bases, the home runs, I think are just are just all there. Um, I, I think that, he again, if he retires today, is he a Hall of Famer? No, not necessarily. But I do think he is definitely on that track. If you guys agree, let me know in the YouTube comment section. Uh, email at LockedOnCards at Dmo.com. Be sure to um, reply to a tweet, DM on Twitter at LJFastball, or the show on Twitter and Instagram at LO underscore Cardinals. I acknowledge that I've been kind of lacking on LO underscore Cardinals on the content, but the episodes have been up daily. Uh, But I uh, I think Paul Goldschmidt is on a Hall of Fame track. Another hitter that I believe is on the Hall of Fame track is Nolan Arenado. Nolan is an interesting one because, well, let me back up. The caveat to Paul Goldschmidt, I think, is that he didn't get a lot of national attention, so maybe he's not talked about as much playing in Arizona, not making the playoffs a whole lot. Uh, but I think with Nolan Arenado, you still found ways to talk about him, even when he played for Colorado. The, the caveat there to me is, oh, well, he was hitting in Denver. You know, I, you know, how how much can you really take effect of him hitting in Denver? He proved that he can hit outside of Denver in 2021. Yes, his average dip, but his on base of 312. Dipped a little bit. The slugging was right there, 494, which is what it was higher than it was in 2020. His OPS 807. Yes, 
under career norms. I understand that. But he still hit 34 home runs, still drove in 105 runs. He still hit 34 doubles. 34 doubles was the most doubles he hit since 2018 when he had 38 doubles. He had 31 in 2019, and he had 9 in a shortened and injury-riddled 2020. So Nolan Arenado has proven that he can hit. And what elevates Nolan Arenado almost above any other third baseman in the game today is his defense. Nine consecutive gold gloves to start his career. First in 2013 as a 22-year-old in Colorado, and his most recent one as a 30-year-old in St. Louis in 2021. Nine straight. That is dominance that we have not seen in a very long time. It's dominance, or I guess not very long. Yadier Molina won his, has won his fair share of gold gloves. That is dominance that we do not see in Major League Baseball every year, every generation. That is quite literally a generational-type run. Nine gold gloves to start a career, and he shows no sign of stopping. Could you see his offense taking a hit? Yes. I also think when you look at Nolan Arenado's possible downtick in um, in batting average and, and in a little bit of the numbers offensively, had a lot of pressure, was probably pressing early on of the season, but we saw his dominance. We saw his ability to step up. We saw his ability to still produce uh, when we're looking at his pr- production from a St. Louis Cardinals standpoint. And again, that defense just does not go unnoticed to me. Brooks Robinson maybe necessarily wasn't the, the, the greatest third baseman hitting of all time, but there is an argument to be saying, okay, he is the best fielding third baseman of all time. And I think with Nolan Arenado, when you are widely regarded, maybe not 100%, but widely regarded as the best at your position for a given period of time, bare minimum, he's the best fielding third baseman in all of baseball. I don't think there's too much disputing that. No disrespect to the likes of Matt Chapman. I understand that there are great fielding third basemen across the league. But Nolan Arenado, for my money, is the best fielding third baseman in all of baseball and bare minimum top five overall third baseman in all of baseball. And I think that Nolan Arenado has been a top five third baseman pretty much since 2015 in his first All-Star game when he hit 40, or All-Star game appearance when he hit 42 home runs that year. So Nolan Arenado, to me, he has shown the dominance over a 10-year stretch. He doesn't show a lot of sides of slowing down, especially on the defensive end. So I think Nolan Arenado, arguably, is more on a Hall of Fame track than Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt has played 11 years, and in uh, so, so far, nine years for Nolan Arenado. Career numbers, 269 home runs, so he is within striking distance of getting 300 this year. He needs 31, obviously. He's driven in at 865 runs. His on-base percentage overall for his career is 345, slugging 535. That's pretty solid. OPS of 880, OPS plus of 121. 288, the career batting mark, 1,357 hits. I think Nolan Arenado, when, again, when, when you are regarded as the best at your position for a long time, as long as Nolan Arenado has been, Hall of Fame seems to be the likely option at the end of the road. So, because of their longevity of success, I view Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado on the track upwards to Cooperstown in 10, 15 years. Um, 20 years maybe, depending on how the ballots shape out and who knows what's going to happen in 10, 15, 20 years. <laughs> Weird to think about, but nevertheless, let me know if you agree or disagree. Going to take a quick break to tell you about two wonderful sponsors, and then I'm going to talk about a pitcher that is an interesting discussion. He's an interesting, interesting discussion um, about who might be in the Hall of Fame pitching-wise for the St. Louis Cardinals on this current team. So we'll talk about that coming up in just a moment. But all these 
you're going to have to make your best bet on. And if you want to make your best bet on what's currently going on in the sport landscape, betonline.ag is the place to go. They have more odds, more props, more lines than ever before. His football season is reaching the playoffs, and college action is in full swing as well. BetOnline is your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head over to that new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive a 50%, that's right, a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You can just use a promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, to receive that welcome bonus. Whether it's baseball, football, NHL, boxing, or UFC, or your favorite Vegas casino game, don't wait. Take advantage of the 2021 season at Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. I want to help solve a problem for you all that most of you probably have experienced at least once in your life. You have one device that lets you catch a game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff, it's confusing, it's a hassle. There's a simple way to get your TV together and to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. It's called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch all your favorite sports, movies, and shows in one singular place. No more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. That is Direct TV Stream. If you want more information, go to directtv.com. You can learn more again at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. The next uh, Hall of Fame hopeful, I, I wouldn't go as far to say likely, but the next Hall of Fame um, hopeful in my mind on this current Cardinal roster would be Adam Wainwright. 16-year career starting back in 2005, played two games in 2005. His rookie year was 2006. For his career, is a 44.5 war, uh, so 44.5 wins above replacement. 425 games, 358 of those starts, 2,375 and two-thirds of an inning, 2,004 strikeouts, a whip of 1.21, career ERA of 3.35, 184 wins compared to 105 losses. Three saves to boot as well. Um, all three of those saves coming uh, in 2006. He's three for 11. Um, or no, th- three three saves overall in 2006. I beg your pardon. Um, all coming in, in in that rookie season. It's an interesting case when you look at Adam Winter because he had some dominance. Um, he had, he had some. He had he had many years where he led the league in, in plenty of different categories. And with me, Adam Wainwright just becomes this very interesting case of what if. What if he didn't lose all of 2011 to Tommy John and therefore 2012 was a a rebuilding year for him? What if he didn't lose all but seven games in 2015 due to an Achilles injury and therefore have some lingering injuries that really kept with him from 2016 all the way to 2018? 2017, he only made 24 starts. 2018. I'm sorry, that was 2017, he only made 24 starts. and 2018, he only made eight starts. What if he was able to stay healthy the entirety of his career? Then do you see more Cy Youngs? Because he doesn't have a Cy Young, that's going to hurt him. Do you see more wins? Do you see him already have 200 wins? Because he's only 16 wins away from 200. And I know that wins don't mean everything in today's baseball, but I do think when you look at the Hall of Fame, 
the voters are still going to look for wins. And he needs a 16-win season in his final season, or what he says is his final season, to get to 200, which would be an incredible accomplishment. But he led the league in wins twice, 19 in 2009 and 19 in 2013. Led the leagues in games started twice, 34 in 2009 and 34 in 2013. Led the league in innings pitched twice, 233 in 2009, and you guessed it, 241 and two-thirds in 2013. Led the league in batters faced in 2009 and 2013, 970 in 2009 and 956 in 13. He was arguably could have been a Cy Young in 2010 when he was 20 and 11 with a 2.42 ERA. Came up second that year. Arguably was a Cy Young in 2013 was his best year. 19 and 9, 294 ERA, 34 game starts. He led the league in the following categories in 2013: wins 19, game started 34. Complete games, 5, shutouts, 2, innings pitched, 241.2, hits, 2.23, and batters faced, 957. Leading the league in the lowest amount of of hits and leading the league in batters faced. Simply remarkable for Adam Wainwright in 2013. There's no doubt in my mind that he is a Cardinal Hall of Famer. He he will be wearing a red jacket because he will will be a Cardinal Hall of Famer without question. But the, the, the debate here is will he be a Cooperstown Hall of Famer? That, that, that's the question. That's what we've been talking about. That's, that's where Adam Wainwright becomes an interesting case because he's going to have a 17-year career, very, very respectable, multiple gold gloves, a silver slugger, top five Cy Young voting not once but four times in his career, f- three-time All-Star. So to me, he's on the edge. I think personally, as time goes on, as, as we see time move on, I think he gets in on a committee on one of these committees that will be uh, not conjured up, but created for this time period in Major League Baseball. I don't know if he gets in on the writer's ballot. I just don't see enough dominance for the writers to, to vote him in. I think, he, I think he could hang on, get 5% of the vote a um, couple years here and there. But t- to me, it, it's probably really biased of me for Adam Wainwright to be in the Hall of Fame. Being a Cardinal fan growing up, watching him each and every day that he pitches now as somebody who covers the Cardinals. Again, that's why I think he's going to be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Because he means so much, you know, the, the, the Team Hall of Fame, yes, has to do with numbers. But when you look at the Team Hall of Fame, I think you're able to count in intangibles a little bit more. Adam Wainwright was never really, really regarded as, as the best at his position. Um... At any point in time, you know, he was a top pitcher, like I said, 2013, 2014, probably on that track again in 2015. I had a 161 ERA in seven games, four starts before being derailed with an Achilles that year. I just think Adam Wainwright is borderline when you look at Cooperstown Hall of Fame. Cardinal Hall of Fame, again, he's in without a doubt, without a question, without a shadow of a doubt. Adam Wainwright is in on the Cardinal Hall of Fame. It's just so bizarre to talk about Adam Wainwright without talking about Yadier Molina. I bet you thought I wasn't going to talk about Molina when I was talking about the Hall of Fame. Well, you'd be wrong. Yadier Molina, for his career, 2021 being his most recent year, 18-year career that started back in 2004 when he played 51 games for the National League pennant-winning Cardinals. 42.1 war. He's got 2,112 hits, 171 home runs, batting average of 280. Not Did not expect that. On base of 330, slugging of 402, OPS of 733, and an OPS plus of 97. Offensively, 
with Yadier Molina, you have to be able to compare him to other catchers because of the brutality of that position. I think any position you have to compare positionally, but especially with catcher. What sets Molina apart, and you all know this very well, the gold gloves. He was a gold glover in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 2014, 2015, and again in 2018. He was also an all-star from 2009-2015, throwing two more in 17 and 18, and again as a 38-year-old in 2021. He has the accolades, especially as a catcher, because the catcher is such a defensive position. Yadier Molina, for a long time, really arguably from 2009 all the way up to 2018, maybe 17, depending on how you want to look at it, Yadier Molina was regarded as the best catcher in all of baseball. Widely. The debate between him and Buster Posey is a fascinating one, as well as him and Salvador Perez. But everybody gets compared to Molina. At least in in the current day of baseball. Every catcher now is compared, okay, we want to compare you to the best, let's compare you to Molina at, at his height. And Molina did have some nice offensive years. You look at a stretch run starting in 2011 and ending in 2016, 2016 being the most recent year that he batted 300. Um, it was also the mo- his most recent highest OPS. Um, he had a nice run. He hit 301 from that from that span. 806 games, 67 home runs. You know, on average he was hitting, he was driving in 63, and again the slugging 436, above average hitter on OPS plus as well with 114. He had a very solid above above average run. And again, Cooperstown, you need to be more than just above average. But I just think it would be hard for me to not see Molina get in with him being regarded as the best catcher in baseball for such a long time. And the dominance was a little bit on the offense, but mostly on the defensive end. For years, you weren't running on Yadier Molina or it was going to be an out 45 to 50% of the time. That's just too good to leave out of the Hall of Fame. First ballot, from a player's perspective, absolutely. From a writer's perspective and a statistical standpoint, it's close. I do think Molina will get in within five years of him being on the ballot. Again, he was just too good for too long to keep him off the ballot. It's just it, it might be weird for Cardinal fans to see Yadier Molina somewhere and or to see Adam Wainwright either way to see Adam Wainwright somewhere and not have Yadier Molina because you can't talk about one without talking about the other. Their success feeds off of one another both individually, what they accomplished together as battery mates, and what they accomplished with their teams being in St. Louis Cardinals. They're just so good. So those are the, the, those are the four that I think are on a clear or clear-ish path to the Hall of Fame. Way too early on O'Neill, way too early on Bader, way too early on DeYoung, on Edmund, extremely too soon on Carlson, and I don't see anybody out of this Cardinal bullpen being on a clear track right now. That said... You don't have to get in on that 10-year ballot. You can get in on other committees, on other ballots. We've seen six be elected to the 2022 class already. So that's what we're talking about next on this episode of Locked on Cardinals. Let me know if you would disagree or agree with anything I've said on the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame, on, the, on who I've mentioned. If you think I, I've left anybody out, let me know, and we will discuss it. Let, leave a comment on this video. Um, again, DM at LJ Fastball on Twitter. DM the show at LO underscore Cardinals on Twitter or Instagram. Email the show at LockedOnCards at gmail.com. I'll do my best to respond to you on any of those platforms. 
So we'll take a quick beat on YouTube, take a quick pause on your favorite podcasting platform, and we're back with the first six of the 2022 Hall of Fame class. Two committees had their votes announced on December the 5th. Uh, that was this this Sunday, um, the Hall of Fame's Early Baseball Era Committee, which is pre players pre-1950, and the Golden Days Era Committee, which is 1950 to 1969. Um, and you had six players be inducted to the Hall of Fame from these committees as part of the 2022 class. Gil Hodges, Jim Cott, Minnie Minoso, Tony Oliva were all the Golden Days Era Committee, and Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill, the great Negro League star, um, voted in thanks to the early baseball era committee. The two with Cardinal ties, Jim Cott, who played for the Cardinals uh, late in his career uh, from 1980 to 1983. And yes, that means Jim Cott, who many think of when I, when I, when I say Jim Cott, at least I think of 60s, 70s, but he was on the 1982 World Series championship team. He appeared, um, he started, Excuse me. He started in two two games that year, appeared in 62 overall games. That's right. He appeared in 62 games as a 43-year-old out of the Cardinal bullpen. Had a 4.808 ERA, excuse me, 4.08 ERA, and a 5-3 record overall, 75 innings pitched for Jim Cott. Um, Jim Cott had accolades galore, many, many gold gloves. He was a gold glove winner every year from 1962 all the way to 1973, throwing a gold glove in 1974 as well, uh, 75, 76, and 77. Durability, longevity galore. His first year in the league was 1959. Uh, played three games for a Washington Senators organization as a 20-year-old, and his last was a 44-year-old in St. Louis in 1983. Uh, Minnie Minuso was also somebody w- with Cardinal ties to him as well. Um, obviously, the longtime um, White Sox player pulling up his stats here is uh, clicked the wrong button on the page. Uh, many thought that he, he should have been a long time ago, but um, Minuso played for the Cardinals in 1962, 39 games, hit 196, so wasn't anything, wasn't his Hall of Fame self. Um, interesting about Mini Minuso, he played in his first year was 1946, and then he retired after 1964 as a 38-year-old. Came back for three games in 2000. Excuse me, 1976. He got seven. He got one hit. I'm sorry. In 1976. Four years later, in 1980, he came back to play two games with the White Sox as a 54-year-old. So he played in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, and the 80s. So parts of every single one of those decades. Incredible longevity for Manuso. Um, definitely somebody that, that deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, career stat line, according to baseball reference, 53.8 wins above replacement, 299 hitter, 2,110 hits, um, 387 on base, 461 slugging percentage, 130 OPS plus. Uh, so those are the two cardinal ties um, in this 2022 class. Scott Rowland could join them. The BBWA a, uh, writer's Ballot has not been announced yet, uh, but Buck O'Neill, like I mentioned, also um, voted in longtime Negro Leagues baseball star uh, Tony Oliva, Gil Hodges, and Bud Fowler were the other members of the 2022 class. So congratulations to Hodges, Cotmanuso, and Oliva, um, as well as Fowler and O'Neill. 
Now, the first four by the Golden Days era ballot and the last two by the Early Baseball Era Committee. Uh, so let me know what you think it, um, about these committees. Do you, do you think that they should have it? H- how would you change the, the voting as well? Because there's a lot of controversy surrounding the voting. Uh, but nevertheless, congratulations to those six. And we will continue to monitor the Hall of Fame status as we get closer to election, uh, which I believe is sometime um, in January. And then the induction ceremony is in July. Um, next up on the baseball docket, if you will, outside of the hopeful end of the lockout, um, is the Rule 5 draft coming up. So uh, we'll be monitoring that. Um, so thanks for tuning in today. Let me know what you think, again, on the Hall of Fame, um, on any of the Cardinals tracking do you think somebody else was should, should have been talked about. And again, if you have any other topics you would like me to discuss, let me know. Uh, we'll be continue to talk about uh, Cardinals content here on Locked on Cardinals as hopefully the lockout ends soon. Uh, we will be talking some more Cardinal baseball, some more baseball talk, but it's on tomorrow's show. So be sure to tune back in. Follow me on Twitter at LJFastball before you leave today. And until I talk to you guys next time, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic rest of your day.